What's up, everybody? Welcome to Outside Perspective. I'm your host, Adam Meredith. We have a great show for you today. If this is your first time listening, so glad to have you guys here. That means either you found it through word of mouth or somebody told you, which is also word of mouth, or you found it online. Either way, you found your way here. So glad to have you here. Much love to all my repeat listeners. You guys are the shit. Every week, I'm sitting down with some interesting humans, gaining some perspective, and hopefully you guys are doing the same. We're on this journey together, folks. This episode is brought to you by my good friends over at Jumbo Superfoods. Have you guys tried CBD? Are you interested in trying CBD but just not quite sure where to go? Well, I like to use Jumbo Superfoods. So you can go to jumbocbd.com and check them out. They have a ton of fucking products. They have balms. They have a ghee. They have drops. They have a spray. Their sprays are delicious. I love the cinnamon spray. You can flavor your coffee, your oatmeal. You can just spray it directly in your mouth, whatever you want. I love the cinnamon spray, but they also have a cool mint. Or maybe it's just mint. Either way, it's delicious. So check them out. So many people, including myself, are getting benefits from CBD cannabidol just one of many of the compounds found within the cannabis plant this particular cannabinoid is helping people with things like sleep things like digestion things like mood regulation it's shown to help with your brain health and your gut health so a ton of different benefits to be had if you want to check them out go to jombocbd.com Use the code OUTSIDE when you check out. You'll save 20% off of the entire order. Also, they're almost always doing buy two, get one free. So throw two in your cart. I bet you get that third one for free. And then you'll save 20% off that whole thing when you use the code OUTSIDE at checkout. So go over to jombocbd.com and uh, get your stuff today. All right. My guests is Sam Manuel and you'll hear from the jump I fucked his name up as soon as as soon as we started going you know it's so weird you, I it's one of those things you just dread you don't want to mess up somebody's name especially on a show like this and really I could have just edited that edit edited it it out I could have edited that mistake out but I'm leaving it in I'm only human we're all just human sometimes we make mistakes nevertheless we're moving forward. I sit down with Sam Manuel. He is an actor, an artist. He is a comedian. He's done stand-up in the past. However, as we talk on the show, he actually has much more of affinity for improv. He is just a rad-ass human being. He's been out in L.A. for the past uh, decade, and he's making the haul out east. So where there's a huge scene in the movie and TV industry. Uh, he's going to L or not LA, going from LA to Atlanta. And he stopped into St. Louis for the week. Uh, he has family here, and I was just fortunate enough to uh, to cross paths with them. We have a mutual homie in Tracy Taylor. He connected us. Man, the universe is so amazing. And we had a fucking fantastic conversation. And the tribe grew by one. You just never know who you're going to cross paths with or, you know, 
how your network is going to grow on any particular day. So pretty pumped to connect with the homie Sam. He has some amazing artwork on Instagram. And while I'm thinking about it, we actually had, there's one point in the conversation where I make the point, you know, it's the work that makes you happy. And there is some truth to that. But, you know, I was really marinating on it, you know, because this was a, a, a very a thought-provoking conversation with Sam. And I really appreciate him, you know, making me think. It, it's the work, but it's also maybe, and maybe even more so, it's just the pursuit of happiness. Not per- happiness, I'm sorry. Just the pursuit of purpose. You know, when we're pursuing our purpose, that's where we find fulfillment and joy and happiness the work is a part of it because you you have to work i mean the the pursuit is the work but it's maybe just that that framing of it's 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 pursuing the purpose is what we're all looking for Uh, this will make more sense as you're listening but man it was just on my mind and i wanted to share that that insight that i had with you guys so Please, guys, welcome to the show, Sam Manuel. Okay. All right, man. Here we go. Here we go, man. We're ready to rock and roll. Absolutely. Sam Monroe. Manual. Manual. Dude, I <laughs> fucked it up already. Sam that's right, because I said it, I go, Samuel Manual. Yes. That would have been a that would have been a uh, cruelty Samuel, as a kid. Were you named were you named after people in the Bible? I, but it's just Sam. It's not Samuel. Like on my birth certificate. Oh, it's just Sam? It's just Sam. Oh. My dad's an odd bird, man. <laughs> Back in the eighties when we went through our uh citizenship. Yeah. Um uh when we got uh when we went through the um the process go down to the courthouse and they swear you in and all this stuff. And so my dad, they asked my dad, um, do you want to give your kids middle names? Cause they don't have middle names. And my sister at that point, she was born here in the States yeah, in, in St. Louis. And, uh, he was like, yeah, sure. Um, and they said, okay, well, what middle name do you want to give him? Matthew. <laughs> and they were like, okay, what about for the girl? No, that's fine. Matthew. For so, both? Yeah. So my name is Sam Matthew Manuel. My sister's name is Sarah Matthew Manuel. That is epic. It sounds a little narcissistic, but, you know, the man was just trying to, you know, pass his, because his name is Matthew. Oh, that's his name. Yeah, that's so right. he just gave you both. Okay. He was just like, you know what? This is easy. Let's just do this. You know, at least he did that, and right. he didn't just, like, uh, for your sister, put, uh, like, an A on the end. Right. <laughs> Matthew. Something like so, I've heard of that. Dude, my uncle did that. Yeah. His name is Kevin. Okay. And um, I probably shouldn't be talking shit, but hey, he named his so it's my cousin. Family is what builds you up and makes you who you are. So, so. true. <laughs> so he named his daughter my, my cousin Kavina. Okay. It doesn't, but it doesn't sound awful. It doesn't sound terrible until you break it down and you're like, wait, is that a Kevin with an A? At That's the exactly end? what it is. What? That's exactly what it is. I love it, man. Uh, it's the best because, you know. That's usually some shit that you know black people do. Yeah, and he's I'm half black and half white. Right, right. So he's just super country. (laughs) (laughs) It's one way or the other, man. (laughs) Well, that's the you know what, man. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's this great like misnomer that's occurring in the country right now that we have all these. I mean, you know, for years there's been this divide along racial lines, but like it's interesting because rural like white folk and like urban city folk. There's no difference. Yeah. It's the, we're going through the same struggles. Mm-hmm. We're experiencing the same frustrations. And not that I, you know, look, I'm a, 
you know, it's been interesting over the last several years, just really like leaning into like wanting to be more active in social justice and see the country change for the positive and see representation, like really, um, you know, start to move throughout the um, throughout the country and throughout the throughout culture. And so I'm, I definitely understand the differences between those two things and how. Listen, even as someone who, you know, Indian American living in the States and all that, I haven't had the same experience that like an African American, my African American friends have gone through in terms of, you know, whether it be interacting with law enforcement or jobs or, you know, I mean, there's definitely been that, um, you know, the visibility of that discrepancy. And hopefully we'll start to see some of that change. Hopefully we're seeing now with the, you know, it was a millennial or the next group up. Are you a millennial? I think I'm technically a millennial. Oh, yeah, right, I'm right. on like the older end. Though. Oh, I'm okay. like right there at the tail. But end. you guys are the ones that are really starting to, you know, like move the ball down the field in terms of like starting to see this regularity. I mean, one of the reasons I'm excited about moving to Atlanta is there's a real strong African American entertainment presence down there. Oh, and I think it's like huge. that there are a lot more open to the idea of diversity in some cases. And so my hope is, Hey man, if I can slip into some shows here and there and just yeah. kind of pre- represent and all that, you know, I'm excited about those possibilities for sure. Well, that makes sense from like the entertainment standpoint, yeah, yeah, because yeah. I mean, the South is definitely much more, uh, black. Yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. It, it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. you have a higher concentration of black people. Yeah, down absolutely. There. Um, it's interesting because a friend of mine or, or people used to ask like, where did you feel the most like, you know, tension racially? And I said, when I went to, cause I went to college in Iowa oh. and there's like almost no black people in Iowa. Right. And I was like the South, man. I mean, it's not always in the best of relationships, but African-Americans and white Americans have lived together in the South for hundreds of years right and obviously it was under very different circumstances different power for, all, dynamics yeah, for a for long sure, time for a long time oh yeah but if you look at a city like atlanta man there's tons of black-owned businesses and tons of um, right. opportunities down there so you Dude, know it's a dope city it is there's a whole lot going on there i'm excited about and it as we were chatting before i mean the there's a big presence from like the movie yeah and, and the tv scene Absolutely. down there uh but you know what i think so to your point i think what the issue is you're talking about how, you know, the rural and, like, yeah. the, the poor inner class. Right. A lot of people have a hard time seeing past their own struggle. And, Absolutely. And what oftentimes people will accredit to race is also just, like, it's it's economic status oh, is what I, it I, is. I've, I've said for some time now, if you really look throughout the course of history, where the real power shifts have, have like, tilted, it's always been socioeconomic. Oh, yeah. Because... If you go to Africa, if you go to Europe, if you go to Asia, there's there's discrepancy in culture there where there's power with some and not with others. And it doesn't have anything to do with skin color. Right. It has to do with socioeconomic power. Yeah. Whoever holds the the whatever tools that can shift, you know, whether it's a financial reality or 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 land or uh, soci- uh, sociological or psychological influence, those are the people that usually oppress those who can't, right? Yeah. We're all just apes, and we, li- oh. we like to be tribal. Yes. And we'll find a way to, to kind of separate ourselves in one regard or another. Absolutely, and there always seems to be, even in a group, you take, you know, like a Lord of the Flies kind of a situation. Somebody's going to rise to the top because yeah. the thought is, well, then I can – I can make my life easier if I can have other people doing the menial parts of it. Yeah. And, and instead of going, and we should all be sharing this burden and we can all succeed together. But yeah, I think it's, it, you know, since the dawn of time, yeah. people have tried to shift into how can I 
how can I get more and do less? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I think it's cool to like have this ideal of mm-hmm. this 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 way of operating where mm-hmm. we can all work together. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if we're if we're all winning it's, yeah. it's better as a whole you know, from the collective like it, it's totally better for everybody 100 percent. but then there's this natural instinct right to where these certain systems they always they always show themselves right. and i think a great example even would be i just i was just listening to this audiobook about um like our food and just right. the whole food system yeah, absolutely i can't remember which one it was by michael pollan he's a fantastic okay. author but yeah. It was uh, talking about how so many times uh, a farmer they'll they'll try to go that organic route, right, right, right. But then it it always eventually turns into like it morphs into this industrial farming complex right, right. to meet the need. So right. it's like it's this vicious cycle. Well, and and that really, uh, you know, it's all about scalability, right? Right. When you're in a village and everyone plays a role, but you're only trying to successfully sustain that village, yeah. Then the demand is manageable but if all of a sudden it becomes like monetized and then you step beyond that space and you're right. like oh well how can i affect the region how can i affect the country yeah and then the globe well then everything becomes uh you know scaled to that you know economic or that level of like production size and then for mechanisms to work like you have to put the typical infrastructure of hierarchy yeah and that way you know the the working class they're usually the ones that suffer because it's like, hey, put out the product and do it in the most efficient manner or we'll replace you with someone who will. Yeah. And so if you decide to unionize and come up and try and, you know, like argue for, hey, our working conditions are bad and we're not getting the same kind of dividends. And you're yeah. making a, you know, you're making a billion dollars a year and we're, you know, we're making minimum wage. Yeah. And it, it, it really does. It, it The scalability component, it's funny because, you know, I, I like to watch, there's a couple of PBS specials that talk about bu- uh, businesses being built. Uh-huh. And, and it's like, uh, you know, a lot of people, will, it's funny, they go from like, uh, I watched this one show called Craftsman's Legacy, which is essentially this guy uh, who built uh, handmade motorcycles, and he goes and talks to all these people who are now doing their, this artisan craft kind of, uh, almost like an Etsy style. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, they produce these kind of products. So some people will like uh, make yarn for creating clothes, or some people bow and arrows, or knives, or or or, or um, shoes, whatever. They're all handmade, and it's like staggering the number of them that start out with yeah i was in the corporate world mm-hmm. and i was you know i had a great 401k blah, blah 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 all this stuff that's like the security of that right and they're like but i was married to this job i was there 80 hours a week i didn't you know i didn't get to do anything at my own pace and right. i wasn't and at that point they were like i was just a number cruncher i didn't help make the product yeah and so now they're all like living on these farms or mm-hmm. they've you know reconditioned these like you know uh, places inside, you know, cities that are getting, um, you know, like refranchised, and yeah, uh, and it's been really neat to see that, and it recog- and, and there's something too, uh, like very uh, intrinsically um, self-satisfying about, hey, I built something and somebody bought it. Oh yeah. But the moment that becomes popular, and then like all of a sudden you got a thousand people at the door. Whew, yeah, man, you know? it's it's like. We, you do see this return to nature, to yeah. to the uh, artisanal type crafts. Yeah, we're, 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 we got to get small. Right. Right? I mean, because yeah. once it gets to this certain point, there's like a tipping point, right. and then it becomes the machine. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I've started doing a lot of um, artwork, and it's just been really therapeutic for me. Dude, your art's pretty, oh, pretty thanks, rad, man. dude. Thanks, brother. And 
so I haven't yet gone on Instagram and said open for commissions mm-hmm. because I I was doing this um, project where uh, I got a bunch of friends from L.A. who are board gamers. And now these board games are so elaborate. They have these, you know, multi-layer, you know, boards and, and they have little sculpts that come with them and all that. So a buddy of mine bought this uh, Star Wars board game and it had all of the characters. So I was like, man, these really look like they should get painted, man. And so then... You know, randomly, and I feel like YouTube's like this now. You can type any oh, random thing, and somebody has done it. It's all there. It's all there. If you thought of it, somebody else. Somebody's has too. already, and not only thought of it, but shot a video of it. Probably. So there was, uh, you know, this instructions on how to paint these things. Anyway, long story short, I did it for fun, and I enjoyed it. It was very cathartic. Another friend saw that and was like, "Hey, man, I really enjoyed what you did. Would you do this for me, and I'll pay you?" And I was like, yeah, "All right, that sounds like a great way to make money." Oh yeah. Until you do it. And so I did it, and I, then I would show him some of the, you know, samples, and he's like, oh, yeah, would you, I mean, with this color, could you? <laughs> and all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Because, you know, he's paying me. Yeah. But then that internal thing of, like, I did something, and I really enjoyed it, and it was good for me, sort of left, because now I'm like, oh, now I got to change it. Yeah, there because wasn't now a fulfillment. A, yeah, now it's a gig. So... You know, it took a little while. I finally got it finished, and then another guy wanted the same set done, and I was like, "Well, I I can use the money," but that that sense of I really enjoyed the process was starting to wane a little bit. So yeah, when things become a job, yes, and you're just doing it for the money, you right. lose the passion. Right now, is the is the the answer to that just to have like a clear consultation and be like, what do you want? And then right. once we go past here, there's no looking back well, or what, just set the expectation of saying, well, this is what I'm going to do and love it or not. Exactly. This is what you pay. And for. I, and I think that was a very teachable moment for me in internally to go, all right. Like for instance, some of the artwork that you see on Instagram, yeah. I'm going to take some of it and get them made into prints and then try, you know, maybe start a show or you start a, like an Etsy store or whatever. Oh yeah, man. And at that point I'm like, Hey, if you like what I have, you can pay me to get it. It's already done. Right. Just do prints. Right. Do prints. Um, and, and so, you know, one off my hope is, and like you said, is to come in on the front end and go, here's what I'm capable of doing. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to create for you. I hope this is what you're looking for. If it's not, then maybe we don't need to enter into this agreement because I don't, you know, like if your interest in my art is like, oh, I like the way he expressed himself in this. Yeah. Then this is the process that'll get that same result. Right. If you come in and go, here are all the checklists. And I'm like, well, now I'm just doing something for you versus you enjoying what I did and, and being interested in it. Yeah, because at one, you know, on one hand, you know, you're an artist. Mm-hmm. So if you're producing what you want, then you're an artist. But then once you start taking money and all this direction, then you become an order taker. Exactly. Right? Do you exactly. want to be an order taker or do you want to be an artist? Right. And you have to reach a point to where it's okay to, like, not take every dollar coming in. Absolutely. I've had to learn that with, so I do health coaching and yeah, training. Yeah, right. And I've, I've fired clients mm-hmm. and I won't work with people because – I've done that route to where I'm trying to work with everybody mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get as many dollars yeah. as I can. And yeah. I actually would rather have less money and work with the right clients Absolutely. than to try to take everybody right. because the stress of somebody who isn't on the same wavelength as you, right. you know, it's just, it's not worth it. And I think it's feasible to grow anything in the right s- scenario if you have the right, like, people around you uh-huh. and it feels like okay this is still on brand for me right versus 
you know, like somebody could come to you in a training situ- situation and be like, well, you know, with my other trainer, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well. Well, if, and for me, know. I'm like, all right, well, if you prefer that trainer, then you should totally right. go with that guy. Or right. I can recommend somebody that you can go train right. with because I don't think this is maybe going to be the best Absolutely. fit. Absolutely. And it's just, you just have to reach a point to where it's like, you're just okay with that. Yeah. And then, so you see, are you familiar with the artist? Um, I think it's Dos Bach, D-O-S-B-A-K, I think. I think mm. it's his name. Let me double check. Okay. But um, it's the Instagram guy. Instagram guy, okay. and he does a lot of. It's, it's a very. Is it Bach? I could be. I could be messing that up on that name. Let me double check. But he does a lot of. Um, it's everything that he wants to do. He only paints what he wants to paint, and it's it's a very unique style. Okay. And Joe Rogan shares a lot of his stuff. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And. Uh, Dude, his his stuff gets shared all the time from just these different people. But he's built such a following online right. that he'll do a print of something. He'll do like a Floyd Mayweather versus something. Like he does a lot in oh, the, okay. in the, in the okay. sports arena. Got it. Let me see if I can find him for you. And he's just killing it, man. And it all just blew up off of Instagram and him just doing his art. Uh, yeah, Dos Brock, D-O-S-B-R-A-K. Okay, hold on. Yeah, he's this guy out of Ireland, and he has this whole shtick of um, you never see his face. It's D O S or D A S. D O S. D O S. Yeah, but dude, you have a you have a dope ass Instagram. Like, thanks, man. Your um, so your style really reminds me of my kids watch Teen Titans a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of reminds me of like that, that anime, style. like Teen Titans yeah, kind of style. Yeah. But I, I really like um, I really lean into. Uh, like exaggeration and character, and yeah. I really enjoy that because I, you know, I, I've, I'm, oh man, uh, Alex Ross is probably one of the most well-known um, pop art, you know, connoisseurs when it comes or, or, or producers when it comes to like comic art. Yeah, and and his is like incredibly uh, realistic. In fact, he has, you know, models come in wearing the suits. Oh, really? And and they're not. And sometimes he'll even stand in for himself, and then you can see that like in the physical. Um, layout of his characters, they're very realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, almost like still life's kind of a deal. And I really have an appreciation for the stuff he does because it, you know, there's that, um, that there's that connective quality to like, oh, I could see somebody actually being this person or yeah. whatever. And so I have a very strong, uh, you know, uh, like uh, affinity for it, and I really enjoy that style of art. But for me, I really like caricatures. I yeah. just like like. That facial expressions. I've always, you know, you grew up watching Looney Tunes and cartoons. Like, you cut your teeth on that stuff in the 80s. Oh, dude. Filmation, all of that stuff. And so, uh, my style, I like the I like the exaggerated. Yeah, I a like more the exaggerated, more, cartoony. Yeah, yeah it's I like fun. it. It's fun. Thank you, man. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, we got that. Your, your colors pop. Yeah, and, um, thanks. Like, you can tell, like, who you're fucking drawing. Yeah, well, that and <laughs> that's not always. Because yeah. when you're going cartoony, like, proportions still matter. It still does, very much. Like, you have to stay. That's the interesting part about anything that is in, in, in media, whether it's, like, film or television. Look, you can have a movie about space space travel or time travel or whatever. Just be true to the rules inside of that mm-hmm. space. Like, sometimes you'll watch something and you go, you broke your own rule. You said that only this could happen in this, like, time travel sequence, and yet some other weird thing happened. Mm-hmm. And in, for instance, so the movie um, Yesterday came out recently, which was the movie about the, the guy who, uh, you know, like, there was, like, a large blackout, and then he wakes up, and he's the only person that remembers the Beatles ever Beatles existed. Beatles yeah. I haven't yeah. watched that yet, but it's, it, look, it looks pretty it, good. It's not bad. It's, it's really, it, like, on some levels, it's really entertaining, but... 
just being a nitpicky nerd, there's some time travel and like some realities that occur in the world once he wakes back up that you're like, well, that seems a little inconsistent. Like, yeah. how come just you and how come just this stuff and da 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 da? And there's those moments when you, you know, like, I was able to watch it the first time and not worry about that. It was when I was listening to a podcast that was sort of criticizing that stuff. Okay. I was like, yeah, you're right. So I seeing the holes, sense. man. Yeah. But that's, I think that's also the beauty of like, recognizing that if something comes from a real genuine place of creativity, I can appreciate anything on that level. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really appreciate art. And it's yeah. cool to see more and more people as we're talking, you know, return back to that. Yeah. And you're seeing people make livings off of it. Yeah. I follow this guy. His, uh, his handle is Three Sheets. And he, okay. he airbrushes, like, kettlebells and oh, different cool. things. Okay. And um, there's this company called Onnit okay. who they make – some uh, some kettlebells, but they 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 cast mold them to where they look like zombies, oh, and they cool. look like people from Star Wars. So they like amazing. Star Troopers and a Darth Vader, and they That's have awesome. they have like this ape series. So he paints all of these things, okay, and takes all these like sick ass oh, custom orders, dude. So dope, dude. Yeah, man. Oh, they got Boba Fett. Dude. I love it. He makes some sick shit. So that's what he does. I think he that's actually amazing. has another job. He could probably just do that. Yeah, that's know. amazing. So they, he does a little molding in there too, right? Because it looks like the faces are 3D. That's amazing. So, so the, the company makes the molding of, of Oh, yeah. okay, okay, and okay. And okay. he just orders them and paints them. Oh, man, that's super fun. You know, and it's really cool because uh, there's, um, there's a gym uh, in L.A. now called... Is it like nerd strong? Yeah, and I've, so, I've been there. Oh yeah. yeah. So then it's you know people who love comics and yeah, they're and, they're completely based towards those people. And the the truth is like, you know what was so divisional years ago? You know like only certain people played D and D and everybody else kind of ignored those people. It's like no, now there's such interesting. First of all, it's a great way to for people to express like stuff that's going on with them. Yes. So art. And music and and poetry and all that stuff. Like everybody should be involved in that stuff. It shouldn't just be like designated to oh only like these people who don't know anything about you know running a business or being you know very corporate. And I'm like eh, I think every you know I, and and part of me wonders if that like the success of Silicon Valley in the last um, probably two decades. You know if you go to Google, if you go to you know any of those larger companies that um, have bases out there they're like playgrounds yeah they have you know like all these places where people can like you know ride around on like uh you know those uh hoverboards and then and they have like sleep pods sleep and pods they got and like free healthy yeah food yes well it's because they realize like there's the blend between like the analytical and the creative Absolutely. right and there's 100%. there's this symbiotic relationship between like the physical and the spiritual Absolutely, and when everything's playing in, with each other yeah. and you have more time to let your mind wander absolutely and, and be creative you create the best shit. yeah absolutely it's good for business it is you know what i mean And you're seeing more and more ceos dive into things that are like conscious expanding yes. and you see a lot of people going like burning man yeah. and different festivals Absolutely. And, and just really expanding their consciousness because at the end of the day it does play a big role and really the whole like direction of of culture yeah. to be honest with yeah. you i mean you mentioned apple and these big companies right, right, i mean right. they are driving culture in a lot of ways absolutely you know well I mean? and i've got um i got some uh buddies that i connected with when i lived in la that uh, they're doing corporate improv. Oh. So they'll go in and, you know, you'll get whatever level of corporate, you know, um, leadership in for a weekend of getting trained on how to do 
uh, improvisational comedy. Yeah. And what's so great about that is, first of all, everybody everybody laughs. Yeah. Like, comedy transcends, right? And to get them to come in and think that they can do it is such a freeing, um, you know, like, exercise to, to let them go, all right, you know, in a lot of these situations, you feel the tension and the intensity, mm-hmm. the intensity of it. And you're thinking... Uh, I got to be serious, and but role playing. I mean, even when I worked at a um, a group home for foster kids, and uh, one of the things we did at the beginning when we were learning crisis uh, crisis communication training was role playing and improv. Mm-hmm. You know, like okay, you're the kid, and you get to just go off the rails, and then we've got to figure out how to assess the situation and bring you back to like baseline. Okay. And it's it's a great tool, you know. And so I've one of the things I think I've loved about being an improv comedian for so many years, because I'm on a musical improv. I was on a musical improv team. I was on a hip hop improv team. Oh, really? We did a two man. It was really I just loved it. In fact, the the week I left L.A., um, my best friend out there, uh, Michael, who I kind of helped start a uh, improv um, community that he's been running now for six oh, years. Nice. So he did a. Farewell to Sam show. So all the teams that I was on performed for on one night. That's dope. So I started out with uh, our hip hop team, then he and I did our two man team, and then we ended with our the musical team that I'm on. It's so great. But one of the things that's really been fun about improv for me, because you know, if you're wanting to get into the com- comedy world, most people think, oh, it's stand up, right? So you go and you work on your material, right. and you do your open mics and things like that. But um, and I and I did that for about. Mm, about 10 months i enjoyed it i saw some of your stand-up yeah it's, it's thanks funny, man. Man. I, and i you know i didn't find myself like really enjoying my writing i think i want to try it again back you know like in atlanta because i think it is a good like outlet and you're in a different place yeah exactly you know what i mean you're a yeah, whole different human a whole different person that has different ideas about what i'd like to talk about so i'm definitely going to lean into that but one of the things i loved about improv was that it was collaborative yeah because the objective in a good, you know, the rule in improv is yes and. Right. So any statement that a person makes, you accept the statement is true, and then you add new information. So if you go into a situation and somebody says, you know, honey, the dog died. If the person responds with, we don't have a dog, the audience is now disconnected. Right, now we just shut it down. We just shut it down. But if you add information like, oh. I really buster no you know right then all of a sudden people are now invested in the story and I'm telling you some of my e- even you know have an opportunity to be on some film sets and do you know I, I shot a, a, a I got to be on a, a, a network TV show and do an episode of that all of that pales in comparison to like a really good improv show in my yeah opinion. I can only imagine just like uh, just the energy yes playing from everybody Absolutely. my sister does improv oh, she, cool. she lives down in Tampa and she, oh, nice. she really enjoys it yeah and uh, it's it's definitely not a comfortable thing to be in. Right. You really got to like let your your walls down. Absolutely. And I think well that's the only way we grow. You know. One hundred percent. I mean, you cannot grow from a comfort zone. Yeah. It's just not possible. So Absolutely. stepping out you know, outside of yourself Absolutely. and just making and and that's why I think you're seeing more and more people do it because you know you made a statement earlier. So many people feel secure in these corporate worlds, yeah, but yeah. it's a really a false sense of security, Absolutely. man. Like Absolutely. you're you're really just a number. Like you're crunching numbers, but you're just a number in Absolutely. the system. I learned that a couple of years ago. I was, okay. I, man, so I've been in the corp. I was in the corporate world. Like I went the whole path of sure. get your degree, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to the, get a corporate job. Right, right, right. I went back and got my master's. Yeah. Like got a little bit of a better job, and then like it all like abruptly ended a couple of years oh, ago. Oh wow! And it just like completely shifted my paradigm. Yeah. 
to realize that while in the Midwest especially, it's, right. it's very often preached, right. you know, this is the path to success. Right. Maybe that is a path. Right. It's not the only way. Right. And it's actually becoming less and less right. common these days. Absolutely. So I just realized, man, there's a whole other way to be Absolutely. making it in the world. Now, 100%. you may have to sacrifice a little bit and not make a lot of money yeah. and pay your dues, but it's totally worth it. Like, the grind is worth it. Oh, absolutely. And, I, and for me, it's being able to, like, really take a moment to uh, ingest the idea of the whole of your life. Yeah. Right? When we're old, we don't want to look back and think, I put, you know, I mean, I know that's a meme that's been, you know, around for years. Like, no one's going to, you know, no one's going to regret that they didn't put 80 hours in at the office. They're yeah. going to regret, I didn't spend more time with my family or I didn't, you know, do more things to, like, connect with people. And so for me, I think one of the things that's been, you know, difficult, because, you know, as an, as an Indian American, you know, growing up in that culture that's very driven by, hey, everybody get your degrees, everybody, not and not just, don't just go get a degree, but you're looking at an engineering degree or a law degree or, or doctor. the doctor, which yeah. is like the, you know, the the gold standard or the platinum standard. <laughs> and and I'm and and I have friends who have really like leaned into that. And but you know, one of my best friends is a guy who's a doctor over at uh, uh, at Mizzou. Um, he works for the, uh, the, the hospital connected to the university, but what's great about what he's done is he's in a smaller market, which gives him more time at home with family yeah. and then opportunities for them to travel together. And when he goes on conferences, instead of the typical, like, you know, I don't know, schmoozing in the bar with the guys after I, he'll, he'll go and find out, Hey, are there uh, places to do Mike and, um, uh, mountain biking or are there places to do, you know, like some kind of outdoor excursion, whether it's, you know, if he comes to like uh, California, he'll do paddleboarding or surfing or whatever, or he, he does a lot of diving. He's getting certified as a diver. And so it's like taking the opportunity, like, yes, I work a very stressful job that has a lot of demands on me, but when in the downtime, I'm not looking to like expand the financial kingdom as much as I'm like, let me enjoy opportunities to like lean into relationships and people yeah and so if you can find that work-life balance man that's where life is really going to hit its sweet spot is figuring out what's the thing you want to do that you really enjoy putting that time in like obviously for you training doing the podcast like building up that and and now that's kind of the world that we uh you know i want to say on some level we're blessed to live in is this opportunity to do multiple things that can all be revenue streams into helping you achieve what you want to do. Yeah, you can really pursue your purpose. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's what we all need because I like to say work is like a thing you get to do, not a place you have to go. Absolutely. Because when you're really building something and you are putting in those 80 hours, right, like right. if it's something you enjoy, it's not work. Absolutely. It's really not. Yes, like, 100%. Like, it's like, oh, man – I I went on 10 edition auditions right. and like you had to like read for these and right. wait and, right. and, and, and practice right. and you go to, you know, classes to learn and right. then you go do a set somewhere. Like right. that's all work. Right. But it's, it's, it's just like, we just have this weird view of how we, how we look at work. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, it's almost like the wrong word. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause there's yeah. a lot of ways to make money. Right. And we always often associate work with, like, this negative thing. Correct. You know what I mean? But you have to, like, grind and yeah. like put in the effort to actually achieve anything. And I, and I think that that's an important component when you're, when you're you know, mentoring is to try and communicate, like, lean into something you love. Yeah. And recognize that even the things that, you know, you and I would love doing, somebody loves doing. Right. You know, so, loves going into that space. But I think also, you know, we fight oftentimes with 
you know, societal norms or cultural norms that kind of push us into a space where we're looking around and we're like, this isn't really what I wish I had been doing for the last X number of years, what what have you. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes the complications arise from like, you know, now we have family and a responsibility and you have kids and, you know, that that does dictate like some parameters that you have to operate under. Yeah. Um, but I still think that if you really like pursue something and, you know, not to get like, you know, very ethereally spiritual about it, but I just think that if you're putting good in the world yeah, in any way and you're and you're and you're trying to take opportunities to be a positive influence and a, a content creator that's putting out something great that, you know, the rewards of being taken care of, whatever that looks like. Yeah, I think that will come um, and people will learn to appreciate that. But I also think that, you know, like recognizing when you when you lean away from that, that there's a cost yeah when you when you do go to something that is just work i mean for me i did that you know i was in la and i was like well i have to have a day job to pay my bills yeah it's an expensive city it's an ugh, yeah <laughs> thank god atlanta <laughs> so but part of that was um okay i'll get x job and and when i worked at the group home and it was paying the bills but man it was killing me soul sucking it really was and it you know like i I've worked with young people my whole life. I was youth director at churches and did all that kind of stuff and really enjoyed that mentoring, you know, kind of relationship. But I also recognize that the vast majority of kids I was mentoring were f from fairly stable backgrounds that didn't really have that mental health component that was kind of, you know, a real roadblock to, you know, um, to just like normalcy. And so to be in this environment and recognizing that like some of the, some of the clients that we would have in, in our program were I mean just from devastated backgrounds of you know whether it was you know sexual physical emotional abuse you know abandonment all of these things that you know created a, a reason for them to feel like you know I remember oftentimes you know they didn't get to choose where they lived they didn't get to choose what clothes they had they didn't get to choose what they ate in the mornings or where they went to school what they could control was their emotions and the way that they would project them so I think a kid would get out of good space and be angry and maybe even turn to violence because it was the only thing that they could express that was their own. Yeah. Everything else was kind of put on them. But honestly, like in that environment, it felt like work. It felt like just going there instead of now one or one or two of the clients that I worked with in that time period, I really did have a connection with and they would respond. And so I could find myself helping them sort of discover a little more of who they were. And that was incredibly fulfilling, especially considering their backgrounds. Yeah. But, boy, the, the vast majority of the time I was there, I just felt like I, I'm out of my depth here. Yeah. You know? And You're missing your purpose there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because I found that – that's why I don't like to use the word work. It's like you really have to – like you have to be uncomfortable for growth, yeah, as absolutely. we mentioned, right. right? And you have to like take yourself outside of that comfort zone, and like you have to put your nose to the grind and like and oh, do, it, and do it requires effort. Like it, you right. do, you need effort and you need work because like I've often found like you ever you ever been in those situations where like you just don't want to do anything? Yeah, plenty. And it, it's it's like a downward spiral. Like you don't end up feeling better. No, you know you end up feeling worse. Absolutely. But then whenever you start doing the work and you right. turn to the work, you feel accomplished. Right. And like. There really is happiness in the work. Yeah, absolutely. But it has to be the right kind. It has yeah. to be, like, you have to be 
fulfilling something right. and like working towards your purpose. Right. If it's just meaningless, trivial tasks right. and it's soul sucking. Right. I worked in a call center for three years and three months. Wow. And well, that was on the phones. And then for like another nine months, like I was on like the back end, like as the slave driver. As oh. like, and it was just, it was just a terrible environment. Sure. And so many people are, are in those jobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even listening like right now, you yeah. know, when this is posted, right. they'll be sitting in a job or in a commute on the way to the job. Right. And I understand like you have to pay bills and yeah. you have to make a living. Right. I have two kids and right. I had my son whenever I was 20 years old right, right. and like I still went to school and sure. I still worked and right. like I was fighting at the time. So I understand like doing what you have to do to right. like, to get where you you're trying to go uh it's just like how can you find that balance mm. and work towards something that's meaningful and i think it's it's interesting like you really do have to um try a lot of things yeah before you figure out what it is that thing that really scratches that itch for you yeah well we you know the thing is we're always telling kids without even fully formed like brains right, right. that you need to figure it out johnny at 18 oh, i know dude you don't you don't have it figure you're a loser at, at 18 years old we expect them to know what they're going to want to do for the rest of their lives and then go to school for four years towards that goal. And it's crazy to think like Dude, that. You don't even know who you are. Right. You're entering into a contract for usually a large sum of debt, oh. which can't even be like forgiven. Right. It's like, what? In Maybe the one day. Maybe. Yeah. Fingers, Fingers crossed. crossed. Yeah. Man. But we're really setting people up in like a losing situation. It's part, And it goes back to that. All right, this is a throwback. <laughs> but if you look at the Matrix, I mean, it makes some sense. Dude, we're pl- it, like the older they were I get, su- man. It's such a great <laughs> analogy for life, man. Yes. Aren't people just plugged into the machine and they fight and the to mach- keep it? And the machine is like reaping all the benefits, and and we are mindlessly zombied into that space, mm-hmm. and then we pass that on. Yeah. You've got to do the same thing. Also get plugged into the machine. Whatever that machine, it could be the corporate machine. It could be the religious machine. It could be just like whatever machine you want to plug in. Like we become dogmatic and we just hold on to these ideals. And when anybody starts to say something different, you're just like, what? Yes. Oh, man. No, you have this resistance. Right. And then you want to bring them back to where you are. Right. No, no, no. no. That's not comfortable for me. Hey, man, don't you want to make sure you can get your bills paid? Don't you want to, you know? Yeah. But it's interesting. Just before I walked in the door. So a good buddy of mine, who's actually from Belleville, okay. Um, I met him in L.A. He went to Bradley, which is I think uh, up, up somewhere mid Illinois, and so he moved to L.A. Um, probably twelve years ago, and just in the last six months moved to Atlanta because he's very much a, um, you know. I need something fresh all the time. I got to be, you know, actively trying to engage and figure out what I want to do. And I'm like, okay. But there are moments with someone like that where you got to go, sometimes you got to just let something like you got to build up the steps towards success and it's going to take time to get there. It always takes time. It's not overnight. It's that work part. And it takes longer than you think. Oh, absolutely. Always does. Always. And I said to him, okay, you've been there six months, bro. If you want to be a person that becomes a commodity in a new city, people have to get to know you. And you have to put in the work where they're going to be able to see you, whether it be, you know, improv stages or stand up or just getting in the audition rooms for a larger environment. If you think that you were going to come to a new city that you didn't have the success you wanted to in another city for 12 years and you think, you, you know, in six months you're going to have it. It's not the environment, that's bro. Not, it's you got to be figuring out how to put the right kind of work and effort in. And I think he has it. Like, he's an incredibly skilled 
um, uh, craftsman when it comes to like uh, acting and comedy, but sometimes he just loses that sense of okay, how many? You know, ten thousand hours isn't that it's part a master, of it? Yeah, ten thousand hours can take up to ten years. Like. I mean, and that's something where you have to also recognize that in there you're going to have some failures. You know, absolutely more more than the successes. You're going to have a lot of failures, yeah. dude. It's like you got to fail, you got to learn, and then fail better. Just keep absolutely. failing forward, man. Absolutely. And it always takes longer than you anticipate. hundred percent. You know what I mean? So, yeah, man, like a new environment is not going to change that. No. You know what I mean? You just got to. It, it might give you opportunities. Maybe. But like lean into, okay, if you've made the physical choice, like for me, I'm going to move to Atlanta. One of the other things that I'm really excited about. Um, leaning into is I booked my first voiceover uh, gig where I was a uh, uh, I'm in Battlestar Galactica Deadlock. I'm one of the commanding voices in the dude in the video game. The, you have a beautiful amazing. voice. Oh, thanks, I wish man. I had that. Voice. Ah, <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that there you know there's opportunities there. And and look, I'll tell you, we when we recorded that thing, it was difficult. Yeah, I had never like been in a recording session for uh, voiceover, and. Uh, I think the people that brought me in were thinking we were going to knock this out in one session. Yeah. And it took two because I hadn't done some of my prep work. Yeah, you got to build the reps, you man. Gotta, you got to read. And and problem is I hadn't looked at any of the material. I was like, oh, I'm just going to come in and cold read. But it nope. wasn't. It was like you got to know the sentence structure, and then they're going to give you the directions for the inflection. Right, the inflection, the speed. Right. But if you're, if you're tripping over the sentences because you don't know what – you know, like the written word, when you read it, then you interpret – Oh, the the person is trying to get me to do X. Right. But if I don't know that when I'm trying to read it. So it was just a long process. Yeah. And it was hard. Mm-hmm. Right? But the thing about it was once once you hear the finished product, you're like, oh, I want to do it. You want to do it again, dude. Of it's course. like that's that's the win for the next win. Absolutely. You know what I mean? You build off that momentum. Absolutely. And I think that's a good learning lesson, right? You probably learn in that situation, like you gotta do the the groundwork mm-hmm. to to see so many people they want to judge their day one mm-hmm. off of somebody's like day year 10 yeah absolutely you know what i mean right. and you can't do that no. because you got to be willing to suck no, and you have to be willing to grow right you know what i mean I, we actually had a guy on the show his name is joe parisi he lives here okay. in st louis and cool. he does almost all voiceover work oh nice and he mostly just works from home yeah like, yeah he'll, 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 he'll do his auditions yeah. he'll send them in he works a lot like virtually right that's the beauty of the world that yeah. we live in man like you can build a career and like absolutely almost from anywhere in the world and that also gives you the freedom to do those other things we were talking about which yes. is like build into the community be connected with people that's where you're gonna add that value and like really uh, impose your presence on wherever you are. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. So you were you were out in LA for how long? Like ten years. Ten years. Ten man. years, yeah. man. I have a buddy who lives out there, and yeah. he's steady working, man. He um, oh good. He got a SAG card pretty quick. Yeah, that's nice. This guy is always on some sort of Netflix show that's or amazing. NBC or CBS. I'm just like, God, dude, it's so crazy, man, because. He, um, I had him on the show. His name's Kevin Madison, okay. and he was a truck driver for a long, like through okay. college. He did like truck driving, okay. stacked up some cash. I think he saved like ten G's. Okay, moved out to L.A. Okay, and um, he was doing a little bit of truck driving out there, like setting up for the different shows sure, sure, and different sure. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, end up getting a sad car. I think you have to get like three recommendations, right? Right, right. right. End up getting a fairly quickly i think within six months he right. like didn't have i think he wasn't working right he's like all right man i have six months to get this done right and he just grinded for six months right. now obviously we're all on different paths sure 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 but it's like it just shows you like what you can really do if you really just grind yeah, absolutely and just figure it out yeah absolutely just go all in it's 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 important to like really lean into well i remember one of the best piece of advice i i heard and it was third party was um 
Vin Diesel was on a set with um, uh, Harrison Ford. Okay. And this was when no one knew who he was, and he was doing background or something like that. And he basically um, asked him at like craft services one afternoon in between a you know shoot or in in between a setup, you know what's the secret? And apparently Ford just turned to him and said, "Don't stop." Yeah. It was basically like there is no secret other than most people who will do this will again try and have success at X number of days out or X number of years in, they'll give themselves some kind of timetable, and then they'll be like, well, if I didn't do it in that amount of time, I am i can't do it anymore. Yeah, He's like the best example, because his story is so amazing. Oh, yeah. He failed and failed, oh, and yeah. was told he'll never be an actor, right. and you can't do this, you can't do that, and right. then all of a sudden, he did Star Wars, and boom, he's boom. like one of the biggest fucking stars uh, ever. Of all time. Yeah. And it all kind of linchpin. He was older, too, at that time. Like right. Like, he was 40s, I think. Yeah, he was, um, uh, I think the opportunity for him to read for Han Solo was he happened to be doing a carpentry gig Mm -hmm. and they were like, Hey, you should come in and read for this. He's a carpenter all that time. Right. Yeah. And and it's one of those things where it's like, look, if you are, if you really love something, be around it enough and get your opportunities when you can. And the door will open up for you to, uh, you know, figure out if this is really where your path is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And be able to lean into the space of like, well, maybe not. You know, I mean, I remember, so Mike Birbiglia is a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. who has... He's funny dude. Yeah, and he's really like killed it in the last like five or ten years. But what was interesting is he was in L.A. and it wasn't going exactly according to plan. And there was this moment where he was like, all right, I'm, I'm getting these auditions. I'm kind of doing some of these co-stars, whatever. But I, I don't really feel like it's becoming a career. Yeah. So he said, all right, I'm I'm packing it up. And he moved back to, um, I think it was either Maryland or, or Virginia, near D.C. area. And he just started doing stand-up in local clubs. Yeah. And it started to build back up. And then he started doing some more improv and, and started doing, you know, more of the kind of small scene and eventually got an opportunity to write the script for, um, uh, oh man, what is the name of the movie? It's um, it's an improv movie that um, Keegan Michael Key is in. Uh, Don't think twice. Don't think twice is the name of the film. It's an indie. If you ever get a chance, is to it on it, Netflix? Uh, it might be. It's like definitely on a streaming. It. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. And yeah, for those of you listening, you should definitely check it out. It's a great think piece about like the idea of what it means to do the art. And so it's, you know, it's very, very interesting, but he wrote that himself and got it, you know, produced and now it's a film and it it did really well. And he wrote an article and I don't know if it was for the New Yorker or something where he basically said uh, how to make it small in Hollywood or anywhere else. And he was basically saying, you know, if you really love something and if it's performing, if it's acting, if it's comedy, you know, he was essentially saying, go somewhere and just keep doing it. Yeah. And also come to grips with, because, you know, he wrote a few, like, bylines or, or like, you know, laws you should, or, or, or steps you should follow to get there. And he goes, if you don't want to hear something you don't want to hear, don't read down, you know, past the bottom of this page. And it ultimately said, maybe acting's not for you. 
you know, you be honest with right? Yourself like sometimes. maybe comedy's not your thing. So if you love it, do it. But if you find out that you can't do it at the level that's going to be sustainable for you, then maybe you need to step into some other, you know, thing. And so for me, that was a hard sentence to hear, you know, like a, you know, a hard line to read. But I started, you know, really stepping into this space of going, okay, I, I would just love to use what I think are my gifts to, you know, figure out sustainability, you know, make a living however you want to, whatever, whatever label you want to put on it. So I thought, okay, I don't need to be a series regular on a TV show or I don't need to be, you know, in films. I mean, obviously those would be great, but if voiceover, if podcasting, if uh, opportunities to like, you know, use my interaction skills, you know, comedy skills, whatever it is yeah. to do some things could, you know, allow me to both feel fulfilled creatively and pay the bills. Why not lean into that? So when I go to Atlanta, you know, a couple other things I'm interested in is there's a guy down there named Payne Lindsay who did a lot uh, uh these um real, you know, true crime podcasts and he's based out of Atlanta. He okay. did uh one that was like a rural uh, Georgian, she was a beauty queen that got murdered. And then another one she, he did, he helped produce one called Atlanta Monster, which was essentially about the Atlanta child serial killer that was around in the late mm -hmm. 70s, early 80s. Yeah. And But I know that he's based out of Atlanta, so I'm going to try and figure out how to shoot him an email and say, hey, do you need anybody who might be, you know, good at, like, writing or, or you know, creative stuff? And, and I've done some podcasting myself and, yeah. you know, and just find those other avenues. And I think the same is for you. is like if you can find those several things that you really feel like you have some skill sets in and, you know, that they're also fulfilling and doing, you know, that's a great way to kind of, you know, do life, really. Yeah, man. Just keep an open mind. Be willing to pivot because sometimes, like, you can still get to the goal of let's say success sure but the path might not be what you always intended exactly. you know what i mean you exactly. just got to be open to to whatever comes along and right. it's like yeah man like maybe you're, you're you're trying this path i did that for i fought mma for a decade oh, okay. and i was like man like i can keep doing this but i can put the same energy into doing podcasting sure. to building my own brand yeah absolutely and probably yield better you know returns yeah and absolutely. so it, it's okay it's really hard though because right. we often we get this tunnel vision sometimes yeah. depending on the person i'm that way anyway, I, everything i do i jump head first right, into right, right. and i can get tunnel vision yeah but it's okay to pivot yeah. and figure out a new way to still get oh, there. 100%. And there's so many ways to do it. Like 100%. you mentioned like voiceover work yeah. and different things. Yeah. Um, so you found out that that uh, stand-up wasn't really your jam. Yeah. You really more prefer like the, the improv right, right, right. and then like now you're kind of leaning more towards like the voiceover yeah, work absolutely. and different things. So hopefully, man, yeah, Atlanta will be like a good spot. And yeah. Hopefully there'll be some more opportunities. Like, I'm excited. As, as you're going down there. I'm excited. I think I, you know, like again, having some people in the industry that are already down there and I think a very important thing and I you know, definitely would, you know, want to pass this piece of advice on for anybody is find a good community. Yeah. You have to have a support system. I knew too many people that would come to L.A. and they were real tentative about like really putting down some roots in terms of friendships and relationships and communities because they're like, oh, well, what if I get called up and I got to go? And I'm like, you can't worry about that. Yeah. A, you know, like, first of all, that's not a guarantee. But second of all, like, you have to have a space to just be yourself around people who are just going to support you and they're, they're no strings attached. Yeah. And that's a very important thing. And so I'm excited about Atlanta because there are people down there that I can connect with 
and I, you know, if you are someone who's trying to pursue something in the industry, definitely have good anchors outside of the industry. It's <laughs> like important. People, yeah, very much so. I mean, just to keep you grounded. Absolutely. And so your family's here in St. Louis, right? So my mom and dad and sister are, uh, and and sh- she's married, and my uh, she's got two uh, little girls and a boy, and I, I love them to death. They're all here. And then in, in Atlanta um, is uh, my mom's sister and brother-in-law, uh, my two cousins and their families. And yeah. so that's, I've got a nice little family base down there as well. That really helps. It does. I it mean, does. going to a new city is, is nerve wracking enough. Yeah. Dude. I mean, it's a whole new environment. I mean, you got to learn all these different things. Absolutely. So fuck. And it's going to be nice and hot down in Georgia. Oh bro. yeah. That <laughs> was yesterday. I went out and uh, played uh, around a golf with my dad and um, I was like, and we walked uh, nine and it wasn't even like the I, you know I heard that we've had some really hot days this, this oh, yeah. last summer. Yesterday was pretty warm though, it, dude. It was warm, but I don't think it was like that 98 with that 101. It wasn't terrible. Yeah, heat index. <laughs> and I know Atlanta has that, but uh, I lived in Columbia, South Carolina, for you know on off and on for like 12 years. Okay. I I genuinely think it's hotter than Atlanta. Because it's like in a little valley, it's all concrete, and oh. there's like three rivers that feed into it. Oh, really? Uh, we were just talking about, we're reminiscing yesterday with my dad and a, a buddy of ours um, about him. You know, they came down to visit me, my my family did, and my dad wanted to go play a round of golf. So we went out, and it was, oh, we probably played, and it was definitely in the 90s with 100% humidity. He said, I'd never been so hot in all my life. Really? And this guy grew up in India. You know, like, <laughs> right? So he grew up in a, you know, like a very... It's pretty hot over there. Oh, it's insane. <laughs> and so he, I remember we came back from the round and he laid on the bed for like an hour with just the air conditioning blaring on him. And I was like, oh. So people, you know, when I told them I was moving, they were like, dude, you're leaving LA to go to Jordan. Do you know how hot it is in Jordan? I was like, yeah. I've experienced it. It's fine. We'll That's be a okay. whole different world. LA is its own place, man. It is. It is. But, you know, it, uh, people have called it, you know, the most populated, lonely city. And it's that for a lot of reasons. And I think part of that, going back to that community idea, is very few cities like Los Angeles, and I would probably venture to say parts of New York City are the I, same way. I probably would think so. Yeah, where you're like, the grind is the, you know, like you're top priority and it really is difficult to find that place of rest and part of it is because it's so freaking expensive you yeah know? and you ever think about like everybody's in really close quarters right but we're more disconnected than ever than ever i mean i've lived in an apartment complex for a really long time sure. and uh I, I never know my neighbors yeah I'm like who the fuck well it's hard because it's not the same dude when i was a kid you know and uh, we're at tracy's house i mean like when we were kids you know, it was commonplace to get out on your bike and be gone for I'm eight to ten hours. Yeah, dude, and just be home before the lights came on. Exactly, and everybody knew everybody, and yeah. you know, all the you know, all the um, you know, like uh, your friends' moms and people in the neighborhood, and that just isn't kind of the deal anymore. You no, know, everybody's online, so that usually means they got to be hubbed in a place that You're has Wi-Fi. You're always plugged in, and so that makes it difficult. And I, you know, I'm not one of these, you know, like let's tear down the, you know, the internet. 
But it's like you got to find that balance, you know, figure it out. You definitely got to get back to nature, man. Go yeah. walk outside barefoot, get some sunlight, get Absolutely. some fresh air. Absolutely. Dude, just like just reconnect, unplug yeah. just like, like the best that you can. Oh, yeah. Uh, because it is very condensed in L.A. So you'll have a lot of opportunity for yeah. nature. Although L.A. does have some really great nature. It does dude. have some great nature, and there's some amazing vistas out there. Obviously, you have the beach component. you got the mountain component. No, One thing I do love about the Carolinas is you do have all of that, but it's it's a little bit more spread out, obviously. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, obviously in L.A., you can, you know, in an hour, you can go to all of those things. It's all right there. Um, which is really great. And, I, you know, I, I will miss that sort of uh, dry kind of arid um, uh, climate. But I'm actually really excited about going to Georgia because, like I said, I spent 12 years in the Carolinas before I moved to L.A. Yeah. And a lot of those relationships I've had to, like, distance myself from in terms of, like, regular contact other than, like, Facebook and stuff. Right. So I'm excited to be like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with this person. Yeah, rekindle, meet up. rebuild those. So those are, that's, that's going to be a real cool part of it. So, yeah, man, I'm really looking forward to it. And, hey, in, in, a, in a perfect world, opportunities in Atlanta could give me opportunities to go work in Los Angeles and New York again. One hundred percent. Which is amazing. Yeah. yeah, this is just the next step. It's not Absolutely. necessarily the final one. Absolutely. And uh, have you ever been to Austin? I haven't. And one of my good friends that – so when I first started, like, thinking about um, entertainment – is when I was working as a youth director up in North Carolina, and one of the form, you know, one of the guys that was part of that church was in Virginia getting his uh, MFA in screenwriting. He came down to my office one day and said, "Hey, I have this idea for a sitcom, kind of based on your situation," and because I had told him about all the times that like. You know, my parents had tried to set me up through the traditional Indian route. Yeah, that kind of thing. the little arrangement. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so he's like, we're going to call it curry and rice. And and it was really fun. We did like uh, four or five episodes. They're on YouTube. They're called curry and rice, and they're That's pretty funny. fun. But anyway, um, when he finished up there, he moved to Austin. His long-term goal was to ultimately be in L.A., but he's been in Austin like killing like in the last – Three or four years, he's done like tons and tons of music I videos. Fucking love Austin. Dude. It's an amazing city. I love. It. It's yeah. like a good mix of uh, like the Midwest with LA. Exactly. It's got the it's got the feel of the Midwest because it's in that location. It's in Texas still. But you got people that are like South by Southwest. You got all these different creatives. Oh, that dude, are down it's there. such a great city. It's very yeah. active. Yeah. It's very young. Yeah, it's yeah. very creative. I I've mean, been through. I haven't been, but actually in October, uh, October November, where my family's. Um, driving down to Dallas for a wedding, and then we're going to go over to Austin. So I'm hoping to, like, visit up with my buddy and get a feel for it. I do want to just, like, go for a week and, like, just experience what the city yeah, is Yeah, I've about. always wanted to go to South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. I hear it's amazing. Uh, does Atlanta have any big, uh, like, festivals or anything? I'm sure they do. They, they do. I think there is, an, like, an Atlanta comedy film festival. There's a couple things, because actually a film I was in called Driving While Black. yeah was featured in uh, the Atlanta Comedy, and we won an award down there. That's and dope. So I'm excited to see, like, what the creative uh, outlet spaces are. I already connected with a um, an Atlanta-based uh, com- Atlanta talent uh, Instagram page where they're basically, like, telling you about classes you can take and, and opportunities. So I'm hoping to go down there and connect with that group as well and just check out some of their, you know, some of the stuff that they got going on. Yeah, man. <laughs> Fuck, dude. The journey's just beginning. Yeah, absolutely. I know you documented your whole road trip out yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of nutty, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty That was my dude. buddy Mike. That, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's been, dude, he's been killing the game. Like, in the last five years, he's done, like, four or five national commercials. 
yeah, if you check him out, he's on Hotels.com on the weird uh, <laughs> uh, like uh, first date dating app oh, uh, commercial. Dope. He did a Pringles commercial for the Super Bowl. That's ill. Does he get residuals and stuff? Oh like yeah, that? Oh, dude, he, that's where it's at. He's actually done pretty well for himself. That's what I've heard, man. You know, Vince Vaughn got started doing commercials. Yeah, yeah. Like in Chicago, he Absolutely. did a couple like really. I think one for like maybe Crest or something. Right, right. Got some pretty big ones, yeah. and that helped finance him to go move to L.A. and, and really take that next step. A lot of people get their start in the commercial world and then he's now you know trying to transition over uh, probably in the last you know four or five years he's done a dozen or so like co-stars on some on some uh bigger tv shows and things like that and so you know he's he's really on the come up and and his his passion is to really merge social justice and comedy okay so he has a instagram page if you guys think about it check it out it's called laughtivism and it's basically just him trying to challenge culture to say how do we use comedy as this you know sort of lens into uh change that we need you know culturally how do we how can we be better to each other and use comedy as this sort of jumping off point for it. Comedy is a good platform for it, that. It, it always is. has been. Yeah. I mean, you see people like George Carlin, yeah, and Rich, even like Richard Pryor, just absolutely. like really pushing social norms and pushing for change. Well, and it's interesting, like a lot of people are divided right now about the latest Dave Chappelle. I loved it. And I thought it was great because uh, it... Bill Burr even, have you heard the new Bill Burr? Um, he touches I, on some... I saw the, the advertisement for it. I need to check it out. Yeah. But these guys are really right on the, on the edge of like really pushing this sense of like, like, hey, I mean, comedians throughout history have been a mirror for culture they're to say the truth. they're saying, hey, we're laughing at this, but is this not real yeah. talk? You know, yeah. well, we're laughing because it's true. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, shit, man. It sounds it's important to have a good like we talked about, like community and network. Yeah. But I'm always auditing the people that are around me because right. like success builds success. Absolutely and there's not. enough success for everybody. We 100%. want everybody. So that's super cool that you're, I mean, you still have your network back in LA. Yeah, yeah. You're building a new one Absolutely. in, in uh, Atlanta. And yeah. it's just going to like, I feel like super excited to see like where this goes. Yeah, for man. You, I'm, I'm very excited about the potential. And I'm, I'm excited that we got a chance to connect and I'm, you know, wanting to watch your journey as you progress through this. Cause I, First of all, podcasting to me has a real, you know, close place in my heart. As you know, I did a podcast. Yeah, you had a, a podcast time. for a long. Had hundred plus some. Yeah, it, we 150? had like one hundred fifteen episodes. 50, yeah. yeah, something like that. And we really loved it. And we got opportunities to like interview different people that were, yeah. you know, on the come up. And like my buddy Keston was on an episode of ours, and he is now on a CW show called Into the Dark. That's dope. And he's uh, the, quite a few friends on the CW nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> man, I know. I'm, get me on there, CW, if you hear me out there. But. Um, <laughs> He's also um, a voice. He's the voice of Hordak on the Netflix special. I mean, the Netflix series Shira. Oh, nice. So it's really cool to see him, and he's up in Toronto, just killing it. And 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 so we were excited to be able to connect with different people. Our buddy Zora, um, who's now uh, uh, a, a staff writer for That's So Raven, the like the new version he's of the it, the new one that's out. Yeah. yeah, where she's a mom or whatever. Yep. And um, and he's out there just killing. And he he had a film just drop. And so I'm excited to just see these different people. And then. Right before I moved, um, I got to be a part of, and this is the third year I was part of, the 48-hour film festival, which is basically like, yo, you get an idea on Friday night, and you have to write a script and shoot a full eight-minute short and have it edited fully out by 
7 p.m. on Monday. I Whoa, mean, it's intense, man. That it's is intense. intense. And if you see some of these things, you'd be like, there's no way you guys did this in 48 hours because there's like, they got special effects, they got multiple settings. And yeah. It's brilliant stuff. And it's just the depth of some of the writing and stuff. But anyway, I was able to be a part of the third one in our. Our 48 won our audience award, and we also got nominated. We got to the best of LA, which oh, is only like dope. 25 films out of 100 plus. So I was really excited. So that crew is on the come up, and I'm hoping I keep pushing the guy that's the director, um, Fernando. I was like, dude, you gotta do a feature and let me know. I'll come, you yeah. know, I'll come out for something like that. So we're, you know, that really like, and we all know this because our, our main man Tracy's here, uh, just stepped into the building. Oh, there he is. Shout out. <laughs> But like you know, it's networking, man. It's like reaching out, connecting with people. Like we hadn't we hadn't seen each other in years and years. But luckily, we connected on Facebook, and I was like, man, this dude's doing some stuff. Let me reach out. Yeah. And I was excited, you know. And he's been so gracious to let me, you know, come and be a part of his family. And and I think that's it. Like the networking, the connection. Yeah. That's how we're gonna have success. Do relationships for everything. Absolutely. And, and as as negative as the social media and being plugged in can, can be, be yeah. that is the beauty of it. Right. To still be able to connect in the right way. Absolutely. So man. well, dude, let's wrap it up. Okay. Uh, let's be respectful of your time. Yeah, dude, man, I appreciate just it. Just over an hour. This has been rad. Um, yeah. I'm going to turn floor to you, dude. Tell the folks how they can, like, check you out, get a hold of you, okay, the art so, and different things. Yeah, um, Instagram is Art of Sam Manuel. Um, and then really just, uh, you know, find me on Facebook and, and friend me up. And I'm, I'm going to try and keep, you know, try to keep posting stuff about you know, projects I'm going to be a part of. And, and, you know, there's small stuff that we're doing right now. And, and hopefully once I get to Atlanta, I'm, you know, try and figure out a YouTube presence for myself and figure out how to just start doing some regular stuff. And, yeah. And then hopefully auditioning and voiceover stuff. Check out um, Battlestar Galactica Deadlock, uh, the voice of Commander Silas. That's me. So um, just some uh, different things that are coming out, and I'm excited about it. And then, yeah, f you know, like if you're following me on, on Instagram and, and, and Facebook, I'll post when the, um, the, sh the short films are available on YouTube for people to go check out. So Right on. Yeah, man. All right, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate hey. it again. Oh, dude, it's been an honor and a pleasure, man. I really appreciate it. All right, man. Everybody, until next time. All right, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I know I did. If you are getting value out of the podcast, do me a favor. Leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on, listening on another platform, you like it, share it, comment, do whatever you got to do. And if you are just listening, man, go over to YouTube, search Outside Perspective, and subscribe. We are fucking updating the shit out of the video content. Man, we're killing it over there. And uh, there's a lot of value to be had. So go to YouTube, hit that subscribe button, tell a friend. Uh, yeah, guys. And then, as always, we're brought to you by Imposed Will. Go over to imposedwill.com. Get on the mailing, mailing list. Also, get your apparel. Listen, we all are capable of building the life that we want to live. We are all capable of achieving those goals. We are all capable of imposing our will. And we want to help you do it. So go over to imposedwill.com. And then, man, big thank you to Convergence Media Group. If you are interested in checking them out, you can go to Convergence MG or go to Convergence MG. Or, I'm sorry, you can go to convergencemg.com or you can go to Convergence MG on all social platforms. They're just a rad group of fucking people, man. And if you want help building your internet presence, building a brand, help with strategy, help with content creation, then these are the motherfuckers that can help you. So go check out ConvergenceMG.com. 
and uh, hey guys i love you i will see you next time just keep being a fucking rad ass human and uh, gaining some perspective as we as we move through this world i'll see you guys later Mwah.